God will never speak to you and be able to speak to you vertically unless individuals who are part of your life can speak into your life horizontally. If no one can speak into your life horizontally, God will have a problem speaking to your life vertically. Because the same desire to listen and to hear and to be led will be there no matter who speaks into your life. You see, God is not, God is not, he hasn't created us to be lost. I'll give an illustration. How many's ever been lost, lost in your driving or somewhere in a new community or whatever the case? I think Dan McBride and I, one time we flew into Atlanta, he was driving. He is, he is non-directional. We must have circled the city of Atlanta at least three or four times before we ever figured out where we were supposed to go. And had he listened to me, we'd have made it the first time. Now, don't you believe him if he comes up with a different story? Because I'm telling you, you come into an intersection and you wonder which way do you need to go? You have directions, but your directions don't make sense. What did we ever do before we had a GPS? Hello? How, do, how did we do that? I mean, we had a road map. And you see, not only are you lost, but you're late. You have an appointment that you need to make, and you don't know what to do because in this case, for my story, your GPS is not working. You don't have a phone number to be able to call, and you, you feel the pressure of saying, I'm late and I'm lost. Others are sharing their opinion that might be in the vehicle with you. The fuel light comes on, and you're low on fuel. Hello? And you're in a bad part of town, and you sense danger coming, and you're concerned and frustrated and fearful. Can I make the situation any more difficult? All you desire if for, is for someone to give you clear-cut directions. This is how you get there. Can I tell you, that's one of the beautiful things about our ushers and our caregivers and those of you that work the doors there's nothing like when a new family comes in the door, there is a big difference from standing there and saying, well, uh, here's how you get over to uh, 116. You go right out those doors around there, and you get to the other building, you go to the lobby, you decide to turn left, then you get to a long hall, and you go right, and you go down there, and there's a whole difference. Say, oh, don't worry about it. Let me take you there. How many know the big difference? God is in the business of taking us there if we have a desire to listen. Or maybe we're seeking God in some specific area of our lives and we have a decision and there is a timeline on that decision. Well, the offer is good. It means a major change in geographical location for you on paper. You don't get any clear answers. The, the money is going to be really good, but, but you really love your church. You and the wife feel good about it. But the children are pitching a fit because they don't want to leave their school. They don't want to leave their church. And you talk to friends, and they say, 
will pray. Now, how many of you are absolutely based the deliverance and answer to your dilemma on your friends who will say, we'll pray? Here's how it works. Lord, touch them, lead them, guide them. In Jesus' name, amen. What's for lunch? You have surrendered all, and nothing has happened. You see, it's amazing that we say, God, I want to walk my journey by faith. And every time God allows us the privilege to do so, we go nuts. I need a sign. I need directions. I need covering. And our story is about the Apostle Paul and his journey to appeal to Caesar. This is a story I've used before long, long, long ago. When I was about six years of age, my dad, every afternoon, made a delivery. And he would go and he would leave at about 5.30 in the afternoon. And he would be gone about an hour and a half. And every afternoon in his pickup truck, I would get in the truck and go with him. Being the oldest of the children, the others were not quite old enough or they didn't want to go. But I always wanted to go. Comes time to go. The truck's ready. My dad's headed to the truck, and I go with him. He said, son, he turned to me. I could take you to the very oak tree where he said this. You can't go tonight. I said, but, Dad, I, w- I want to go. I go, why? How come I can't go? No, I, you just can't go tonight. I said, but, Daddy, I want to go. And I turned on the tears. He couldn't give me a legitimate answer that I would understand why I couldn't go. He just said no. Now, listen to me. My dad was not one that vacillated. His no meant no. And his eyes said, you better shut up. How many know what I'm talking about? Old-fashioned. Understand, he was a size 38 in the waist, and I got all 38 inches on me more time than I can ever tell you. Don't go. But why? You stay here today. I cried 35 minutes later, a state trooper came up to our house. My dad ran under the back of a semi fully loaded with fruit, 40,000 pounds, on a little asphalt road just over the hill. The trailer was just left there, not on the side of the road, but in the lane. And my dad ran under there at about 45 miles an hour. It pushed the engine of his truck all the way into the front seat. It pushed the cab all the way back. The side that I was on, the dashboard was past the seat and pressed in to the back. He had green paint on his skull. The trooper said he won't make it. It took them almost an hour to cut him out of that truck. But had I went, that would have been the end of my life. But there's a dad who said, he said later, I didn't want you to go. Because he, and my dad was not a super spiritual person. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
He wasn't one that went around all the time, God said, God said, God said. Here's what he said, get up and go to work. And you'll be able to eat and sleep. We're going to go to church. But he wasn't one of those, so that's why he couldn't tell me. But later on, he said, the reason I couldn't, I had this strong feeling in my heart. I just felt like, you don't go today. He didn't bow down to my tears and my bit of stubbornness. I mean, I pitched every emotion that I could. I remember. I intended to go. But he said, no. Now, I'm grateful every day that my dad stood his ground because he felt like, did God come up and say, John, don't let him go today. No, he just said, I felt in my spirit, in my heart, that you weren't supposed to go today. How many of you know that we ought to be spirit-led people? How many of you believe that spirit-led people ought to be prevalent today in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen? That we're led by the Spirit of Almighty, Almighty God. We hear the Word of God. Paul is a prisoner of Julius. We know that the Roman centurion and he had some advice for those that were supposed to be in charge of him. He was on his journey to go to Caesar, and he was not afraid because he felt like that God ordained him to have the audience with Caesar. And Paul said, when they came to the realization, we're about to set sail now in open water out near on the Mediterranean Sea, and that's where we need to go. And Paul said, don't sail. Say that with me, don't sail. And so we find Acts 27, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them. He's the individual. He's being led by the Holy Spirit. And we find as we study his life, God's will and guidance for his life sometimes wasn't clear. But in this situation, it was, in fact, clear. As we see this incident in his life, the ones traveling with him, they did not know what to do. They had to make a decision. They were in the Mediterranean Sea. It was early October. It was the dangerous time to sail. In a few weeks, all sailing would be over because winter would prevail. And setting sail would place them in the open water and possibility of a northeastern storm out of the Adriatic Sea would rip their ship apart. And yet they asked the question, do we sail? What do we do? Paul, representing the voice of the Lord, said, no. Oh, but the ship's owner and the captain said, sail. Julius the centurion said, sail. The crewman said, sail. The gentle breeze is blowing, no storms yet. Sail. The cargo was grain. It might spoil if it were wet. Can't winter at Fair Haven. We must sail. But no voice and no circumstance and no clamoring lips ought to ever take the place of you hearing what God has to say to you. Amen. We know the little dinky decisions that we make. Do I buy a car or not buy a car? You pray about that, sure. Do we buy a bigger house? 
It's according to what the motive are. They're all kind of decisions we make. But there are times that God speaks to us and said, this is a decision that will cause you to walk by faith and not by sight. <laughs> it is the story of Daniel. Daniel listened to God. He knew what he was supposed to do. It was, it was the routine that he prayed at least three times a day. It was routine that he stood firm in Almighty God. You see, we as believers are on a faith journey. It would be nice if we woke up every single day and everything that we needed to do and everything that we needed to decide was just passed off to us in a little agenda for today. But there are some things that God speaks to our heart about and your heart about and said, you're going to have to pray about this. And don't ever glibly say, oh, I'll pray about it. And then you never do pray about it. Say, God, I want you to speak to me. How many desire for God to speak into your life every day? How many desire that? You know, I want to sense and uh, feel that. The story of, of Abraham in Genesis 12, God said, go, don't worry about where, take your family, trust me. And Abraham did as the Lord said, period. I'm going to do what God said. We will never have faith as a substantial part of our lives unless we learn to walk by faith. God, what are you saying to me? Now listen carefully. More times than not, we're led by the opinion of culture. More times than not, we're led by the popular decision. And then let me say, sometimes it takes as much faith to stay as it does to go. I had someone that came to me the other day. It's been more than another day. It's been several months. Pastor, this is what I've decided to do. I'm going to do this, this. I kept hearing, ah, 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 ah. I said, is that right? So you, uh, you, you that, that's what you're going to do? Yes, sir, really, that's what I'm going to do. You know, the, the, the conversation was, I need to come in and talk to pastor about whether decision that I need to make. When they actually got there, that decision was already made. And I said to that individual, because I sensed the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I said, let me ask you this question. Can you look me in the eye and tell me that you fully believe that God has told you this is what you need to do? Do you have permission from God to make that decision? Well, my Lord, Pastor, if you put it that way, well, what other way is there to put it? You know, if your life is one step after another, you make one misstep, and before you know it, you are off target. Has God given you permission? Has God spoken to you about your And don't never underestimate little decisions because little decisions mount up to a massive big decision eventually. Somebody say amen. amen. The pointers on the ship said, let's sail. What was the difference in all that advice? Paul heard from the Lord. He heard from God. Here's the truth. Until you get permission, stay steady. Say that with me. Until you get permission, stay steady. Notice, um, I didn't say until you get direction. 
Nonetheless, they set sail with Paul on board. Number two, take courage, he said. He says, don't sail, but take courage. Acts 27, 22. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Well, that makes real sense. If the boat and the ship that I'm on is going to be toothpicks, what's going to happen to me? Don't worry about it. Just trust God. One thing we must notice is that that though they did not have permission to sail, God still went with them. Why? Because God's grace in my stupidity is greater than his desire to judge me or hang me out to dry. The gentle wind blew, hurricane force. Wind blew, the northeasterner did show up. They pulled down the sails. They let the wind blow. Fear gripped them all, dropped the anchor to slow them down. Fourteen days they drifted, threw the cargo and tackle overboard, tried to tie the ship together. They made the wrong decision. Paul could have said, I told you so. In the church today, to live a sanctified, holy life, you will fight culture every day. It's easy to fall in line with what everyone else is doing than it is to take a stand and say the core of who we are and what we believe must be preserved and protected. Amen? Preserved and protected. So we believe that by the grace of God that we are a charismatic slash Pentecostal church. Amen? We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Somebody say amen. We believe God still speaks today. We believe it's important to have an altar call. Though some say we don't want an altar call because we don't want to offend anybody. May I suggest to you, I am as strong in my heart of belief that the altar is absolutely important, period, than anything else in the world as it relates to, hey, let's come together at the altar of Jesus Christ. But you know what? I fight for that. I fight for that in different meetings that I go to. You still have altars in your church, Blackburn? Yeah, I sure do. Man, you don't have to have altars. The altar is in the heart. I said, why don't you run on down to Azusa Street and see what happened there and watch how those altars are filled up. Why don't you go to a Billy Graham crusade when he was alive and well and say we're going to sing just as I am or whatever it was they sang and watch those people pour in to commit themselves to Jesus Christ. You and your family will have to be protected. Paul's word was to them, take courage before they made the decision to sail This is what they saw, that gentle breeze began to blow and their ship began to toss and turn. Paul says, I heard from the Lord, take courage, no one will die. Listen carefully. 
If you're hearing from God vertically and you make the decision to stand true and stand strong, when the storm does come, you will be preserved and protected by Almighty God. I'd rather die feeling that I've been obedient to God than to die and thinking I had it my way. Hello? How many of you are acute rule followers? I said acute. I mean, well, let, let me find out. Speed limit's what, 70 out there? How many of you go 70 or under, period, on the interstate? 70 or under, 70 or under, uh, uh, let me, let me see it in over here, 70 under. You just don't go over 70. That's the speed limit. When we go somewhere, Dwayne, I'll drive. How many over here? 70 or under on the interstate. Okay, I see. I can't tell who that is. 70 or under, okay? Now listen. How many of you will go over 70 as you deem necessary? <laughs> Do you know what the problem is, is with that? Is getting caught. You step out of that speed limit, you now have the potential of getting caught. But you know what? Here's what we cannot do. As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, the intensity of the battle that we are in is so fierce, we can't afford to miss what God is saying to us. We can't afford to misstep. Take courage and you will not die. The walk of faith is when security often is all around us and we say, I can walk that, but here's, here's their deal. In Acts 27 verse 20, it says they were so exhausted, they had given up all hope of making it out alive. We want to sell. Paul said, don't sell. Paul says, now, now that you're out here, take courage. But we, we're exhausted. We've done everything that we know to do. They had not eaten in days. They were hungry. We're going to journey in faith. We're going to find ourselves in trouble from time to time, either permitted by God or by our own foolish choices. But I can tell you, Paul says, take courage. Do you know what that means? Courage means confidence. Have confidence in Almighty God. In Almighty God. Number three, don't jump. Say that with me, don't jump. Don't jump. I saw on Facebook one of our friends, Bobby and Marlo Alivo, they're at the Grand Canyon. They decided to rent a pack of mules. And they videotaped those mules going on a narrow path where Right here, it drops straight down. And they're on it, and they're video. I'm thinking, first I told them, 
Y'all are nuts. Tempt not the Lord your God. Oh, but mules are sure-footed animals on flat land. Look straight down, unbelievable, make a hairpin turn, unbelievable. But they have ridden hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Those mules know what they're doing, except a snake is in the path. Hello? I could think of about a hundred different things that might upset that mule with me on the back of it. <laughs> or, or do you understand what, I, what I, I'm saying? This is what, this is what, that's what they felt like. And Paul says, hey, there's a snake in the path that goes straight down, but don't jump. That'd be a hard pill for me to follow. What do you mean? No. Ship's going to fall apart, but don't jump. No, it's, it's going to be tough if you stay true to God. You've heard from them, and you stay the course. You stay the course. Somebody's going to slap you around. Somebody's going to get on your nerves. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. They begin to hear the waves hit the shoreline. It was extremely tempting to them. Fear creates fear. And unbelief nurtures unbelief. Paul was the prisoner. Don't sell. Take courage. Why? An angel has appeared to me. And that's what he said. Don't jump. All the lives will be saved even though we're shipwrecked. Rocky, unbelievable. My prayer is for the congregation at Victory Church Make us so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Make us flexible. Let us be attentive to what God says. Let us hold the core when it seems like the world is falling apart and the chattering of differences are of opinion are there. Let us stand strong. Let us say, God, I don't understand what it means to stay on a ship that's going to be toothpicks before it's over. But if you say, stay on the ship, don't abort, I'm going to stay on the ship. I'm not going to abort. I'm not going to follow the popular opinion. I'm going to stay true to you. When that happens... Here's what will happen in our lives. God will begin to speak and anoint and direct and guide, and you and I will take journeys that we thought were never possible because those who stayed on board had a testimony. The ship fell apart, but there was a two-by-four with my name on it. And I grabbed hold of that two-by-four, and it was pressure-treated. And that two-by-four took me to shore, not the ship. How did that happen? It was Almighty God. Father, thank you for this privilege. Speak to our hearts now and forevermore. Would you stand, everybody? We praise you and we thank you. We're tempted and tossed. We know that. Some in this room, we need sure direction. 
We need a clear-cut voice in what you're saying. And some are facing some monumental changes in their lives, and some the enemy's already pushed back and made them feel defeated and made them feel put down, made them feel like giving up, and they it felt like just aborting, felt like jumping away, felt like just hiding, felt like let the devil speak and, and their behavior and, and their life is guided just by that. But Lord, you said forsake not for the assembling of yourselves together on the Lord's day. That's what you say. You say fall in love with your brother as you love the Lord. Love your brother with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your word says don't give up. Because God has something that is wonderful for each of us. Your word declares, be not afraid, for I'm with you. It was hard for all those unbelievers on that boat to listen to the prisoner who said, take courage, don't jump. It was hard for them to grasp that message, but some of them did. Some of them did. And as a result, not one person on that boat that was made for Paul died because Paul's voice in God's word was resonant. God, when we honor you and we make decisions that pleasure you, other people will benefit because we stayed true. When we foul up, mess up, get ripped apart and bent out of shape nobody gets that kind of glory except darkness but if we remain true to you you will lead us and guide us and help us the minister to every person in this room if you need prayer you need anointed you need to be prayed for we're going to trust God and believe God I'm going to do this I'm going to pray they're going to sing I'm going to pray over strawberries. But if you need prayer when others are, are slipping over to the Family Life Center, you just come on down and we'll stick around here for a few minutes and pray over you. That's what we're going to do. So, Father God, guide us, lead us. We want to hear you. We, we love you. Say something to us in our time of prayer and our evening time and our morning time and our alone time and even in traffic God you speak and let us be obedient to that and it is not by might or power but by your spirit so lead and guide us and then Lord we do pray over the strawberries and the cake and all that other stuff we just thank you for it and may we enjoy it for your honor and your glory in Christ's name and everybody said Amen. You need prayer, you come. We'll pray. Others of you, go ahead and slip out, everybody. God bless.
Self-aware 